out today, by the way. <laughs> Thank you, worship band. Good morning again, everybody. Good morning to you who are online. We have a bulletin this morning. First time we've had a bulletin in 18 months, I think. So if you did not get sermon notes, uh, raise your hand. We'll make sure you get some. Anybody need some? Let's get him running. One over here, Bob. Get some further away. One there. Anybody else need sermon notes? Okay, good. So as I said, this, this morning's dot com is a hot one. It's combustion. And... Uh, Combustion is a chemical reaction that happens when you mix hydrocarbons and oxygen. And I'm not going to get into the science of it. I was going to have a, a, a demonstration for you, a big five-gallon bottle here with some alcohol in it. You turn it into vapor and you light it and it goes whoosh. I couldn't get the darn thing to work. And then I'm walking around with this bottle of alcohol and a lighter and I thought, this doesn't look good. <laughs> so just imagine, whoosh, okay? You know, fire, though, it's, it's kind of an intriguing thing. Have you ever noticed that um, people sit around a fire? It, it's like something magical happens. They get mesmerized. I remember our house up in Canada when we lived in Airdrie. We had a fireplace in the living room. And uh, every winter, I'd get a cord of birch. A cord is a measure of, of birch. And the guy would dump it out in the back lane, and I'd have to put it in the wheelbarrow and move it up to the house and cover it over because of snow and birch is not cheap but it, it burned better than than other stuff and then you've got to cut it down to usable size and it was it was a lot of work and we didn't have a gas igniter in the fireplace so you actually have to make kindling and it was always a challenge for me one match i'll light that thing with one match and uh, i used to love it but You know, you'd get a good fire going, then the challenge is to keep the good fire going. But there was just something about a fireplace. You know, once you light the fire, you go to a campfire, everybody just kind of, it's like they're mesmerized. And they're all staring into the fire. And then the conversation starts. I don't know what it is when you're sitting around a fire, conversation starts, it gets deep, and it's like, wow, you know, everybody's just into the fire. It's cozy, it's inviting. From a scriptural perspective, the Bible talks a lot about combustion, fire from different perspectives. But the passage I want to take us to this morning, it's brief and it's kind of intriguing. It's Luke 3.16. We always hear of John 3.16. And these are the words of John the Baptist. John the Baptist's role was to prepare the way for Jesus Christ. He, do you remember when you used to go to concerts and there was a warm-up act? John, John, I hate to say this in this matter, John was almost like the warm-up act for Jesus. He came first, and, and he got people ready, but he wasn't Jesus. Now, people were waiting for the Messiah, and a lot of them thought, hey, John, maybe John's the Messiah. And uh, he said, no, 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 I'm not the Messiah. So Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 15, they're asking him. It says, everyone was expecting the Messiah to come soon. And they were eager to know whether John might be the Messiah. John answered their questions by saying, I baptize you with water, but someone is coming soon who is greater than I am, so much greater that I'm not even worthy to be his slave and untie the straps of his sandals. And then he makes this, this intriguing statement. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit 
and with fire. So John tells him, no, it's, it's not me. He, he's so far out of my league, I'm not even worthy to be his slave, to tie his shoelaces. I baptize with water. The one who is coming will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. It's kind of an intriguing thing to say, isn't it? An interesting thing. Anyone up for being baptized in fire? No, no, no. Twice in my life I've been burned. I remember one time when I was a little kid, I fell in a bucket of boiling water and burned myself. And then in my 30s, I was on a scaffolding and caught my jeans on fire. Fortunately, I was working on a hospital (laughs) and burned my leg. I I literally just climbed off the scaffold, walked into the hospital. But it's painful. I mean, a burn hurts. Hurts a lot. It, it, it was so painful. And, and the idea of being... Baptism means to be immersed. That's what the word baptism means. To be immersed in fire. It, it's like, no, not up for that. You, you become the combustion material. So what does it mean to be baptized with the Holy Spirit and with fire? Well, the Holy Spirit, that part's easier to explain. Because the Bible says a lot about it, right? And it can be a little bit controversial, but some people believe that that there are different baptisms. There's water baptism and there's spirit baptism. The Bible clearly teaches, though, that when you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you receive the Holy Spirit. Every follower of Jesus Christ, everybody that's asked Jesus to be their Lord and Savior gets the Holy Spirit. Scripture clearly teaches that. Um, The very sermon that that Peter preached on the day of Pentecost in Acts 2, where the Holy Spirit comes down on them visibly with fire, from that moment on, every Christian who calls on the name of Christ gets the Holy Spirit. It says, each of you, this is in Acts 2, 2, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God. And be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Doesn't say at some later date, you will get the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you, your children, to those far away, all who have been called by the Lord our God. Who? All who have been called by the Lord our God. And what does the Holy Spirit do? Well, he teaches us. He guides us. He directs us. He convicts us. He gives us understanding. He reminds us of the things that we've learned and why. And he prays for us. The Holy Spirit is essential to the Christian life. Without the Holy Spirit, there is no Christian life. The activity of the Spirit in our lives, that's kind of up to us. You you can quash the power of the Holy Spirit in your life, or, or you can kindle the power of of the Holy Spirit. But what's the deal with the fire? Well, theologians, uh, you know, I did a lot of research into this this week. They have three, because this is the only time in scripture where we see this thing about being baptized with fire. So they've got three, you know, the eggheads that, that study this stuff, three possible answers. Number one, when the, the apostles were gathered on the day of Pentecost and the Holy Spirit came down and it looked like a flame, they said, well, that's what that was referring to. Number two, and we can't help ourselves, it's judgment. It's talking about judgment. You'll be immersed in fire and judgment. I I don't think that's what what he was talking about. 
Number three, the refining work of the Holy Spirit, how you get refined in in flames and the energizing of the Holy Spirit. I go with that one. I think that's what John was talking about. You're going to get this Holy Spirit, this power, this ability, and you'll be set on fire to do something with it. You you think about it. When your team's doing well, what what do you say? They're on fire. Man, the Cowboys are on fire. They are, aren't they? They Doing well this year. We talk about people being fired up. When, When we're doing things, well, man, I'm on fire today. We, we just sang about it. You know, set a fire in my soul. Set me on fire. Followers of Jesus Christ have got the Holy Spirit, but some of them are on fire. Some, not so much. The Bible is filled with examples of men and women who were on fire for the Lord. They were crazy for the Lord. Abraham, Moses, Deborah, Elijah, Elisha, Esther, Joshua, Joseph, David, tons of them. Their passion for the Lord, their fire for the Lord drove their their lives. But I want to talk about probably my favorite is Peter. And uh, just a quick life of Peter here. We're not going to go through it all. But he was just an ordinary guy, right? The first time we see him, he's a fisherman. Just an ordinary guy. He's not educated. He doesn't work in the temple or, or anything. He's just an ordinary guy. He's a fisherman. And, and you remember the story where Jesus gets in the boat and, and he tells them to cast their nets out. And they've been fishing all night. And haven't caught anything, so they cast out their nets and they're, they're bulging full. And Jesus says, walk away from it, come follow me. And, and Peter's reaction, if you remember, as soon as Jesus did that, he realized who's, he was in the presence of God. He said, oh, get away from me. He was filled with shame. But he was, Jesus said, come follow me. And, and, and off he goes. And then you remember the story where Jesus sends the disciples out in the boat and a storm comes up and then Jesus comes to them walking on the water. That's kind of freaky, isn't it? You see somebody walking on the water in the middle of the storm. What would you do? What does Peter do? Is that you, Jesus? Is that you? It's it's Jesus. Call me Jesus. He climbs over the edge and starts walking on the water. I'm like everybody else. You got to be kidding me. I ain't getting out of the boat. I'm not getting near that. I don't know what it is. He starts to sink, but he got out of the boat and he walked on water. He was full of fire. And then in Matthew 16, when Jesus is asking people, who do people say I am? Well, some say John the Baptist. Some say Elisha. And he asks them the question, who do you say I am? And who speaks up? Peter, you're Christ. You're the Messiah. You're the son of God. And Jesus says to him, the Holy Spirit has revealed this to you, Peter. And then in that same passage of scripture, Jesus says to Peter, his name was Simon. You're the rock now, man. Your name is Peter. It means rock. You are my rock. And on this rock, I will build my church. But it wasn't always good for Peter. You know, sometimes people who are on fire tend to put their foot in their mouth, right? They they speak before they ought to speak. In that same passage of scripture, after Jesus tells him, you're the rock, And then Jesus starts to tell them what's going to happen. He says, I'm going to be executed. Peter pulls him aside, literally takes him aside from all the other disciples. Come on over here, Jesus. What do you think you're doing? (laughs) And he starts to reprimand Jesus. What are you saying, Jesus? You're talking rot, man. That stuff's not going to happen to you. And and Jesus nicely kind of, I think we need to sort out the order of things here, Peter. 
And then uh, Peter's present at the Lord's, again, at the Lord's transfiguration. He, he glows white and Elisha and Moses comes. And instead of being scared like the rest of us, Peter gets this idea, we should build free houses. Let's build some houses for these people. And Jesus like, cool it, man. Calm down. But he's on fire. And then before the week of the passion, of Christ's passion, they're all gathered together in the upper room and they're the very first communion and Jesus is, is again telling them what's going to happen and I'm going to get arrested. They're going to kill me. And what does Peter say? Even if everyone, des- everyone else deserts you, I will never desert you, Lord. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, Peter, this very night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And Peter, even if I have to die with you, I will never deny you, Jesus. He's got a fire in his belly, but he's human as well. And a little bit later, they they take Jesus off and, and Peter's watching in the distance. He's checking it out to see what happens. And he's warming his hands with the soldiers who are guarding Jesus. And he does the denial three times. But then in John chapter 21, Jesus reinstates him. Three times he says, do you love me? Do you love my people? And and he reinstates Peter. And then he tells Peter what's going to happen to him. It's kind of like, Peter, you're still the rock. And then he he goes on to tell him, you're going to die for me. How would that make you feel? You're still my man, Peter. Oh, by the way, you're going to die for me. And then in Acts chapter 2, we see the Holy Spirit come down. And then Peter is all fired up again. And I love what he says. It says, then Peter stepped forward with the 11 other apostles and shouted to the crowd. So this is a guy that's just denied Jesus three times. He shouts to the crowd, listen carefully, all of you, fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem. Make no mistake about this. And he's yelling at them and he tells them about Jesus and and everything that's going to go. Church tradition tells us that Peter was crucified upside down for his efforts. He was a man on fire for Jesus. He had combustion going on. He lived his faith. Was he perfect? No. Did he stumble? Yes. Was his faith walk somewhat erratic? Yeah, I guess so. But here's the thing. He lived his face, faith. Now, if you get nothing else out of this morning's sermon, I want you to get this. And I'm pretty sure I put it in your notes. I hope I did. Yes. When you add action to your faith, you get fire. You get combustion. Let me say that again. If you don't get anything else out of this this morning, if you add action to your faith, you will get combustion. It ignites And it will set you on fire for the Lord. We all need fire in our belly for the Lord. So let me ask you a question. How is your fire for Jesus? How is your fire for Jesus? You know, there's all kinds of combustions, right? I think if I'd have done my experiment today, you'd have seen an explosion. I think God was stopping me from doing that. Which, you know, you talk, there's, there's spontaneous combustion. You know, woof, it just bursts into flames. Intense combustion, fast-burning combustion, a slow burn. And sometimes just embers. Used to be burning hot, but now it's just embers. 
How is your fire for Jesus? I was telling you that we had the Kairos training here yesterday. And um, if you don't know what Kairos is, it's a prison ministry that, that goes into prisons to tell the brothers in white, we call them, about Jesus. And it's not one of those flash-in-the-pan kind of things. You go in there, you need Jesus, you come on forward, get Jesus. They go in there for a whole weekend, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And you go through a process of, of showing the love of Jesus Christ and then go back is it twice a week, twice a month after that to continue it on. They have small group meetings. And it's pretty cool. There's an inside team and there's an outside team. And we had members of both teams here yesterday. And, um, and it was awesome because there were five people from Lakeway there yesterday. John, uh, Mo, where's Mo? I saw him here, right over there. Tim at the back. Randy, of course, Randy is heading up this next Kairos and myself. Uh, and that was pretty cool. But the, here's what makes me chuckle. So the training goes from 9 till about 2.30. A full 25% of that time is just the introductions. And Randy starts off, he says, okay, we're going to do the introductions. And there are four questions that you get to ask your name, where you worship, how long you've been part of Kairos, and why are you a part of Kairos? Be brief. (laughs) Be brief. And I was sitting over there, and there's this big circle. There's no brief. When they get to that last question, why, there's no brief. They are on fire. They are absolutely on fire for Jesus. And you know that it's coming when you're sitting around in a circle, and everybody stands up to say their name. But no, they get right in the middle. Let me tell you my story, man. And they start, this is the introduction. You know, it's like, no. But it's cool. It's neat to, to hear their stories because they've experienced it. There were a couple guys there yesterday. I believe it was their first time. One of them was an inmate. Had got converted by a Kairos weekend in, at, at the prison that he was in. And, and has now outside and he's, I'm not going back. Well, yeah, I am. I'm going back to tell him about Jesus. And now he's doing the training. And as you go around, you know, the people on the outside, the, there's a whole team that cooks food. They're just as fired up. They're just as excited. But one thing that, that was kind of neat, there's, there's one guy, Michael Hill. Hill's his last name, right? He's the guy that got Randy involved. He worships here in town at Serenity and a couple of different churches. And he's one of these guys, when you're worshiping, he's up dancing, he, he's jumping around. Everybody else is... Michael's up jumping and that. And as, as they went around and people were saying why, his name kept coming up. Well, Michael Hill spoke to me. Uh, Michael Hill spoke to me. Michael Hill spoke to me. Michael Hill spoke to me. And he's been doing Kairos for... Do you remember how long? Fourth one. And this is 30. <laughs> so 26. They do two a year. So 13, 14 years. And he's got this little catchphrase. You got to get, what is it? Get you some of that. Get you some of that. that. If there's a worship song on and he's excited, you get you some of that, man. And and it's just effervescent. It just flows out of him. You got to get you some of that. He is on fire for the Lord. They are on fire for the Lord because they have experienced the life changing power of the Lord. In such dramatic ways, incredible ways. Now, Michael was never an inmate, but just 
in his life. Now, here's the thing. Your fire is a function of your experience of God. I hate to use a math term. I like math. Your fire is a function of your experience of God. The, the temperature, the intensity, the longevity of the combustion in your life is proportionate to the degree to which you have experienced the life-changing power of God in your life. The, the greater you've experienced God, the more you are on fire for God. It's like, man, I, I, oh. it, this is one reason I love, I love, okay, don't take this the wrong way. I'll, I'm going to address everybody here. But I really love working with people who came to faith later in their life, like I did. Because they didn't grow up with it and they made a decision at some point in their lives to follow Jesus. And it's usually more traumatic for them and they're excited about it. And those are the ones that I find, man, they're doing everything because they're on fire for Jesus. Now, if your God is still an academic God to you, a Sunday school kind of God, a lot of knowledge, a lot of Bible study. There's nothing wrong with that stuff. But if that's as deep as it gets, you're not going to experience very much combustion in your life. But I need to say this. A lot of people, like my kids, they grew up in a Christian home. I didn't grow up in a Christian home. We were all atheists. Sandra's family are all atheists. But my kids weren't. They were born into a Christian home. They were in church before they were born. They were in Sunday school before they went to grade school. And a lot of you would know exactly what I'm talking about. That's your experience. They never experienced any big, dramatic, coming to Jesus, change thing in their lives. God was just always part of their lives. I feel almost like I've stolen something from my kids, but I haven't. Because that's good. And most Christians like that. If that was you, you you know that... Typically, when did you invite Jesus into your life? Well, it was that vacation Bible school or it was at a, a summer camp or something. It was an event that the church put on and, and that's just how it happens. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. And if that's you and you're sitting there and you're thinking, I don't have some big God experience in my life. I didn't go to prison. I didn't get rescued from alcoholism or drug addiction or prostitution or a gangbanger lifestyle. I'm just your ordinary, run-of-the-mill Christian. I grew up in a Christian home. I received Jesus early on in life, and and I've just been a steady Eddie with with God. There's nothing wrong with that. But, in the words of Michael Hill, you've got to get yourself some of that. If you want to be on fire for Christ, you've got to get yourself some of that. The Holy Spirit wants to set every single person on fire, whether you've had a dramatic experience of God or whether you've just been kind of like a slow burn for all of your life. He still wants to set you on fire. You know what the Holy Spirit is? It's an internal combustion engine. It's, oh, man. He doesn't care if you've experienced dramatic life change or if you've just been in church forever. He wants to set your life on fire. Now, if you don't have any wow God moments, you got to get yourself some of that. You got to put yourself out there. You might be living just a little bit too safe, too cozy, 
Now, you know, I'm a big proponent of small group. I love small group. Everybody should be in a small group. But you can get cozy sometimes with your Christianity. You come to church on Sunday morning, listen to Pastor Mike, give a message. That was very nice, Pastor Mike. You go to your small group, you do some study. Oh, that's good. And different ideas about Jesus. And maybe you watch something on TV or you listen to some praise music as you're driving. And it's, oh, this is all very good. I love Jesus. I love God. But there's nothing in your life that's kind of risky or scary. You're not doing anything that... When you get up in the morning, you got a little butterfly in your stomach because you know what's coming today. You're not out there for Jesus. Maybe you're too busy with the wrong things. For some people, it's like the fire is, is built. All the kindling is there. Everything's there. It's all ready to go, but there's no spark. There's no ignition. There's nothing that set it on fire. Some are burning bright. I saw a bunch of people that were burning bright yesterday. Many of you are burning bright. But sometimes we get to a point in our lives where maybe at one time it was burning bright, but now it's embers. Embers are pretty, aren't they? They glow, all the colors in there. But they don't give off a lot of heat, and they're not very exciting. You know, you kind of get that temptation to put some barbecue, you know, get that thing going again. Your fire's not out, but it's not really warm in the house. You got to get you some of that. Don't miss out on the fire. You want to get some wow God moments in your life. And, and it, doesn't, it doesn't have to be super big things. I, I remember probably the first, my first real experience of any wow God moment in my life was early on in our Christian walk. I was bricklayer up in Canada. And I don't know how long we had been going to this church, but a, a, a while and in Canada, bricklaying, you know, it's seasonal because it's cold up there. And you, you can work all through the summer, but as soon as winter comes, you're scrambling to stay working because it costs a lot of money to put up a hoarding and heat that so people can work. So it's very seasonal. And, and for the most part, we, we weren't poor. We certainly weren't rich. And we mostly lived from paycheck to paycheck. There wasn't a lot of extra. And I remember we were in church one Sunday in the United Church of Canada, and it was growing, and the pastor got up and he said, well, we're going to do a building campaign. We want people to give toward the building. We've got to raise a million dollars. like, wow. So I want you to go away and pray and ask God what he would have you give. I'm like, whew. This was early on. We didn't even tithe in those days. Those were the days if I put $40 in, in the offering, I thought God was up in heaven going, Whoa, Mike, you're the man. <laughs> it was new, you know. <laughs> and he told us to pray about it. And I don't remember the exact number. I think we had like $500 in the bank. That was everything, you know, savings and checking. And we decided we were going to give pretty much all of it to this building fund, which left us with nothing. <laughs> but we both prayed about it, and we felt God tell us to do it. So, well, 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 let's do it, because we're stupid and excited. 
and we, and we gave that money. And I remember, this was my first, wow, God. And it took a time. I don't think I missed a day's work for the next 18 months. Right through the winter, through the summer, into the next winter. I don't think I missed a day's work. And you're always, you know, you're laying bricks and then you, that job ends. You hope they got another one for you. Never had a stretch like that. That was my first, wow, God. That's awesome. These guys had a little bit of a wake-up call yesterday. The Kairos guys. Um, a woe moment. I'd forgotten about this myself. So we're, we're, we're doing the training, and then Randy reminds us all, oh, it costs money to do Kairos. You need to raise some money. So, oh, man, I forgot about the raising the money part. And then they, they're talking numbers, and first off it was 100 and something, and then it was more, and I'm like, well, what number is it? And finally they settled. It costs about $350 per participant to put a Kairos weekend on because you've got 100 people that you're feeding, the, the brothers in white that you're feeding, you, you don't live in the, you don't stay in the prison. You go in in the day, and then you've got to go out and we stay in a hotel for the night and then go back in the morning because you, you go there really early and you're there late. And all of that stuff costs money. It's about $350 per volunteer. And then that guy that's leading it, or whoever it was, says, oh, and you're responsible to raise that money. I was like, oh, $350. And I started thinking about it. There's five of us. What's five times 350? Math people? 1750 tons. <laughs> Who said that? <laughs> Comes out to about 1750. These days, I'll tell you what, it's not going to be 350. I don't think they've calculated where we're at. Yeah, maybe a couple thousand for the five of us. And that's, this is not the purpose of this, but, you know, Maybe God is telling you to step out in faith and, and help with that, w- with these guys. Get yourself a wow moment. When they ask for that building fund, and I don't have any money except this little bit, let's do it, God. Let's see what God does with it. And, and, and it's a stretch. Oh, and it's not out of your tithing. I remember the pastor emphasizing that. You've still got to, give to, still got to turn the lights on. Still want my paycheck. Still got children's ministry, youth ministry, all these things. You, you give your tithe above and beyond. Maybe God's telling you to be a part of that. And then come and be part of the closing ceremony. Look for ways to get the kindling on fire. A few weeks ago, I, I, I challenged you to pray and ask God to take you out of your comfort zone. This is the same kind of thing. God, I want to be on fire for you. But if you want to be on fire for God, if you want to get you some of that, you've got to be in a place where you need to be on fire for God. That means getting out of your comfort zone, getting out of the, the sleepy, warm, cozy Christian zone. Maybe that's faith with your money. Maybe that's faith with your time. Maybe you need to be part of our children's ministry or youth ministry or lead a small group. Maybe you've got abilities to, to play some musical instrument. And you've been sitting here every Sunday, kind of, I should be part of that. And you just didn't. Set that thing on fire. Get up there and do what God is calling you to do. Be part of our Christmas program. We need people to walk around and hand out candy canes and, and invite people to church and Find something to kindle your fire. 
God will provide you with opportunity. You pray and ask him, God, I want, my fi- I want to be on fire for you, God. Show me. What do you think he's going to say? Okay, I'll show you. But what's the key? When you add action to your faith, that's when fire comes. That's God right there. Oh, we have a clock back there, a nice big clock for me. We're supposed to live with a fire in our belly for Jesus. Hebrews 12, 28 and 29 says, Since we are receiving a kingdom that is unshakable, that's us. We're receiving an unshakable kingdom, something awesome. Since we're getting that, let us be thankful and please God by worshiping him with holy fear and awe. How do you worship God? You serve God with holy fear and awe. There's that sense of whatever it is that God has called you to do. If you're not scared, you didn't read the book right. You missed something. Every single Christian should be living their lives just a little bit nervous. A little bit on, you know, I'm not sure about this, God. That's what faith is. And then look what it says. For our God is a devouring fire. You are created in the image of the fiery God. You got to get you some of that. So a couple of questions to consider before we move to communion. What steals your fire? What douses the flames? Fear? That's a biggie. Time? I'm just too busy. I, can't, I don't have time for God. I, I want to serve God. I don't have time for God. Let me tell you something. You need to have a good conversation with God because he's in charge of time. And he will give you all the time you need to do the work that he's called you to do. Apathy? Nah, somebody else will do it. I don't need to do it. What douses the flames? Maybe you were on fire. You know, sometimes when the Holy Spirit comes in us, it, it, it acts in such a counterintuitive way. That the, the Spirit comes into us and it fires us up, but we're afraid of the fire and we almost look for ways to put the fire out. You know, we know God is telling us to do something. We're all excited for God. And it's like, no, 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 that's not me. That's somebody else. And what kindles your fire? When was the last time that you were excited about something that God was doing in you or through you or to you? Now, I asked some people this week, well, what gets you excited for, for God? And I was thinking about myself. I thought, okay, in the last year, what's got me excited? And, and, and what, it, it was hard to define. And all of a sudden, I said, no, it's not hard to define. I love people's lives being changed. I love it so much. I gave up my job in the corporate world to do it. I gave my life to it. I thought, man, you changed my life, God. I want to help people get... You've been such a blessing to me. I don't deserve it. I don't get it. I feel like I've been favored unfairly. I want everybody to be favored unfairly. I'll get you some of that. (sighs) You see, the fire is what gives your life purpose. It's why you get out of bed in the morning. I can remember being at that point in my life where the job that I did, 
didn't excite me anymore, but I knew I needed the money from that job to do what God was calling me to do in my life. I was just so excited with small group leading and it was just awesome. And, and that's how I viewed it. That pays for me to do what I really do. Do you have a fire in your life? Do you have a holy fire in your life? You've got to get you some of that. Amen? Amen. We're going to go to communion now. Can I have those that are going to serve communion please come up? You know, this is... Jesus Christ started a fire 2,000 years ago. (laughs) What's the date today? Anyone know? What is it? 21st of what? Of what? 2021. All over the world, we mark our calendar by the fire that Jesus Christ started 2,000 years ago. They changed the name. Now it's CE, Kalman Era, or before the Common Era. It's still 2,021 years after Jesus set the place on fire. And I was just looking at some numbers. I love numbers. And, you know, Pentecost, it, it starts with Jesus. And then there's two or three of them from the boat. Then there's 12 of them. And then there's 72 of them. And it, it, it says right at the beginning of the book of Acts, 100 of them. Then 3,000. Then 5,000. I think by the year 150, it was close to 200,000. 50 years later, it was over a million. And now it's 2.3 billion. That's quite the fire, isn't it? The fire is still raging. We come here to celebrate communion today. We come to celebrate the beginning of the fire. Do you have a fire in your life? When you take communion this morning, when you take that bread and you take that juice, I want you to think about the fire. And as you take it, if, if your fire's not burning strong, I want you to take it thoughtfully and prayerfully. The body of the Lord Jesus Christ broken for you. Why? Love. Set a fire in my heart, Father. The blood of the Lord Jesus Christ shed for you. Why? Love. Set a fire in my soul, Jesus. So if you don't come back for another thousand years, There's 50 billion. We got to keep it going. Let's pray. Father, we give you thanks. You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You are a consuming fire. Father, we got to get some of that. We got to get you some of that. Father, I pray for each and every one of us that are here, those online, those that will watch later. Stir us up, Father. If our fire has become just an uh, uh, embers, Father, let your Holy Spirit, let the wind of your Holy Spirit kindle those embers and set it on fire again that we would be all that you've called us to be. Father, that we wouldn't just be living from day to day, but we would be on fire for you every day. Set a fire in our hearts, Father. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Gentlemen, if you would... uh, That's right.
come forward, take the bread, take the juice, take it back to the seat with you and we'll share together. body of Christ broken for you. Take and eat. Father, I pray as we eat this bread that the holy fire that is you would be in us. Set us on fire, please. 
the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ shed for you, take and drink. Father, as we drink, may that fuel the fire. May we be all that you've called us to be and do all that you've called us to do because you did all for us. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it is great pleasure for me this morning. And our first announcement is we have three new members for Lakeway. Now, my wife's not here. She normally takes a picture of this. Can I get a, a photographer? I need someone to take a picture and send it to her. Thank you, ma'am. Raymond, come on up, sir. I'm not even going to attempt your last name. How'd you say it? Figaro. Oh, that's easy. Figaro. Figaro. It looks a lot harder than that. <laughs> come on up, man. How long have you been coming? Ooh. Six. Three months. So Ra Raymond came three months ago. Well, I was thinking I was on vacation when you came. Actually, I came right before you went on vacation. Right before. Okay, that's good. So he came, I was on vacation, and that kind of got him staying here. But, <laughs> <laughs> but three months. I mean, uh, and I think about three weeks after Raymond got here, I had a card. I want to be a member. So he has been um, anxiously waiting to be part of Lakeway. He's fulfilled everything that is required for membership. So, sir... Welcome to membership at Lakeway. Thank you very much. Eric and Heather. These guys have been talking about being members for a couple of years, I think. <laughs> Every time we had a 101, something was going on, and they never ever could uh, be part of it. And uh, when I put the word out there a couple of weeks ago, Eric texted me right back almost immediately, I think. It oh, it was <laughs> Heather. And uh, yeah, we're in. We're in. So, Heather, welcome to membership. Eric, welcome to membership. Thank you, Paul. You Thank you, ma'am. If you can send those to Sandra, that would be awesome. What else we got going on here? Oh, our holiday schedule. Now here, you want to be set on fire for Christ? There's opportunity. So November 25th, we've got our thanks giveaway. Two weeks ago, we had three families. A week ago, I think we had three families. Now we have 15? 18. Okay, every time I talk to him, it goes up again. So 18 families. So what do we need? It's on the back of the bulletin. Well, since we printed the bulletin, we've added families, right? Whatever the Lord puts in your heart. So there's plenty of room for opportunity to give. And we need drivers, deliverers. We're good. If you want to come and be part of that, come and be part of it. It, it is... You know, that's a, that's a way of experiencing God. That's a way of getting the, the embers to burn a little brighter is, is when you go and take to a family who are in need the love of Jesus Christ and to see the look in their eyes and their face and, and to be able to pray with them. Ooh, pray with them. 
that'll get the fires burning a little bit. So come and be part of that. Even if we've got enough, we'll find a spot for you. November 28th, next Sunday, we're going to tear down and rebuild. Right after the service, we're going to get rid of all that stuff out on the lawn, and we're going to transform this and the, and the foyer to Christmas. We need help with that. So I'm giving you a heads up now. Gosh, if we have like 10 people, we'll do it in an hour. Yeah, if we've got 20 people, we'll still do it in an hour because we'll be falling over each other. But <laughs> come and be a part of it. I will feed you. I will get pizzas. We will feed you. So come be a part of that. That's November 28th. December the 4th, the Colony Christmas Parade. I want us to be in the parade this year. So if you can be a part of that, let me know. We're going to decorate a float and and get out there and walk along with it, give out candy canes and tell people that Jesus is the reason for the season. And then uh, the following day is the toy run. You can come be part of that. December 10th, 11th, 12th, Living Nativity. We're going to do the same thing that we do in the parade. We're going to go through the streets here and sing carols. And it's been very warmly received over the last couple of years that we've done that. People get excited. They're asking, are you going to do that again? And it's so neat to go down the street. People are coming out of their houses to, to listen to the story of Jesus through song. So come and be a part of that. We've got our kids' Christmas program, December 19th, December 24th, candlelight service here, December 26th, Christmas service. So the holidays are upon us. Be part of the holidays. If you are a guest visiting with us, we kind of got out of the habit of doing some things. If you're a guest visiting with us, we have a gift for you. Now, a lot of you have come in the last year or so, and we haven't been really doing this, Lynn has been consciously, devotedly handing a mug. If you never got a mug, go and see Bob and, and we'll give you a mug. And then in there is a contact card. We ask that you would just give us some information about yourself and you can drop it in that little castle that should say offering, but it doesn't anymore. And uh, let us know that you were there. What else? Have I forgotten anything? Oh, offering. Please be faithful with your offering. There's the offering. And... Whenever we share communion, we do another thing. I'm asking for money all day today, aren't I? Your offering is your faithful giving to Christ, to Jesus. I'm not asking you for it. Jesus did. I'm putting it on him. At the same time, uh, whenever we share communion, we also take up a benevolence offering. So this is above and beyond your tithes. If you're able to give to that, uh, where do they put that? In the little one? right there. And the need is great right now. All right, enough of me asking for stuff. Please stand. All we want is the Cowboys to win, right? Are they playing the Chiefs today? See, now there's a fire. Let's have that fire for Jesus, eh? You got to get you some of that. Let's pray. Father, we just give you thanks for your Holy Spirit. We thank you for the fire that came down and alighted on those men. Alighted, what a great term. And and filled them with that spirit. Father, we all share that same Holy Spirit. Set us on fire. Father, bless us in such a way that we go from here and be a blessing. Open our eyes to you this week, Father. Just a little wow moment of God this week. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Thank you all for coming.